The Start On Demand. On demand. Skinner's no more at the Forks. Hal Anderson has learned that Skinner's did not have its lease renewed by the Forks because they're going in a different direction. So he is going to tell us what is happening there. Bombers in action tonight. Calgary Stampeders in town. The final regular season game for the Winnipeg Blue Bombers. Bob Irving joins us as Zach Caleros gets the call at QB. And we're also going to talk to quarterback Matt Nichols after he and his wife Allie made a $10,000 donation to the Children's Hospital Foundation. And Greg is heading to Regina this weekend for the Heritage Classic. We'll speak to Regina's mayor, Michael Fougere. I'm Brett McGarry, alongside Greg Mackling and Loren McNabb. We are Mackling, McGarry, and McNabb. And this is the Friday, October 25th podcast for The Start. Mackling, McGarry, and McNabb. And I'm hoping today is not going to be one of those days because it started as one of those days. I got to work and I noticed the printer had the red light on, and we have all (laughs) kinds of problems with our printers here in this building, all three radio stations, CJOB, Power 97, Peggy at 99.1, and I thought, oh, day's off to a bad start there. Turns out it just needed paper, so I went and got paper, put it in the printer, no problem. It fired up, (laughs) and away we go. And then I get to my desk, take my jacket off, I sit down, and I go to my pocket to pull out my phone, and I realize it's not in my pocket, so oh, I check my no. other pockets. I stand up and I start like giving like a full like a frisk, frisk myself. Where's the phone? <laughs> oh. And then I remembered it's in the bathroom in my apartment. Oh, that's a terrible feeling. And I was saying to you yesterday, got the kids all excited, drove into Winnipeg to get their Halloween costumes. Everyone's all pumped to pick things out, reaching my coat for the wallet. Oh God, no wallet. Oh man, kids love it when you don't come through on promises. They really do. Things yeah. Bad things come in threes. And sometimes good things. Now I'm wondering, what am I going to forget <laughs> Well, some point today? Ho- hopefully nothing. Thankfully, I was able to make it there and back. The, the good thing about traffic at this time of day, at, four, at that time was 4.10, is I made it to my Osborne Village apartment. Uh, and I live on the 16th floor, so it's kind of a, a process to get mm-hmm. in and out of the building and back in 20 minutes. That's so, crazy good. Yeah. So I was able to get there and back. No problem. Got my phone because I can't, I need it. It's like not just because, you know, I feel untethered to the world without it, but I need it for work. Right. For all the crap that I do on Instagram and stuff. But, so. but not to mention, like, I don't, I think I know three or four numbers still. If, it, if you didn't have that same number, say, six years ago before I, eight years ago, I've started putting things into my phone. I don't know your number. I still remember my, my buddy's parents' Landline. number. Landline. In yeah. St. Paul, yeah. Well, now that's different, right? Because yeah. you had to know yeah. that number. Right. That's the only way you got in touch with them. I'll be at M&M, and they'll ask for the phone number because I don't have the plastic card or whatever. And I go, boys, what's your mom's cell phone number? Because <laughs> I don't know it. It's one button. I just go, hey, Siri. I don't even have to. I don't even have to touch. Man. Oh, <laughs> just fired up. Yeah, yeah, she's uh, recording me now. You make so a good great. point. You're always teaching your kids your phone number so they can call you in an yeah. emergency or pass it along. And then what if you're having a heart attack and they're like, can I call someone for you? And you're like, are my kids here? Because yeah. I don't know the number. Yeah, like, I, anybody's I, number. I, I dated a, you know, my ex girlfriend, year and a half with her. 
I don't know three digits of her phone number. I just know the name. I know my phone number from when I was 17. You can call that. That's about it, right? Really? So. <laughs> <laughs> well, I remember my grandparents' phone number from when I was a kid, but yeah, my own home phone number. We don't even have a home phone anymore, but I, just like a lot of you don't. So I got the phone and I have updated our 680CJOB Instagram story, and uh, you can feel free to follow us on Instagram. One of the things I put there is that Greg and I are going to be carving pumpkins today. Well, a pumpkin. Hopefully just one attempt. Please, at, at just one. Uh, at 11 o'clock, they do their annual media pumpkin carving challenge. So we are very excited to participate. We're going to be representing Habitat for Humanity Manitoba, while our friends at Global Winnipeg will represent Silo Mission. And my initial thought was, because we, we did so well at the Smile Cookies. Well, that is true. For Tim Hortons. We were robbed of uh, the hardware yeah. at that competition. Were you? Yes, you tried to we bribe the, the girl. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You yeah. do what you got to do. Well, it didn't work. No, it did not. I have never been good at carving pumpkins, so I, I fully expect... Like I just said, can we just throw the pumpkin on the ground smash. and smash it yeah. and then call it performance art? Yeah, uh, I think you can. I'm kind or of still it, tempted to it do that. Create the look that comes with my pumpkins where I leave them out for an eternity and they eventually just rot. I like into living or dying art in that yeah. case. Yeah. I remember I had a, we had a pumpkin out when I lived in uh, my house on Boxwood Cove in St. Vitale and the pumpkin had been out I guess it was only a couple of days beyond Halloween and it was slowly rotting and then I got home and it was like it was waiting to say goodbye because as soon as I opened the gate the pumpkin just kind of made and you could hear it die. It made this like and then just melted in front of me. It was the saddest thing I think I've ever seen. It just wanted to say goodbye. Jack O'Lantern, rest in peace. So at 645, we're going to talk more about pumpkin carving. Thales, if you have pictures you want to send of jack-o'-lanterns that you've carved, feel free to text them, 204-780-6868. I feel like this is a thing that there's there's no middle ground for this. You're either like the bad carver who just does the... Two eyes and then in the mouth. Whoa, whoa, whoa. What's bad about that? Like the like triangle I just mean the, thing? Like the original, like just the that's original. That's not bad. That's or you're that guy, classic. like my neighbor, who, who, it's art. There's like four different things carved in and there's cats and there's sketch faces and there's like scary ones and... One of my buddies, he uh, for the, he participated in the media challenge a few years ago and he carved a Barack O'Lantern. Like he, Barack he did, Obama? Yeah. And he, he he brings, like, exacto knives. Yeah, no, there's tools for it. People get really into it. Yeah, it's insane. I just don't understand how people can do that. I just want to, like, my in, instinct would be to just punch a hole into the pumpkin, just Brett smash. I can't even, I, I, I still hate that feeling of, like, you have to get your kids to do it, and they don't want to do it, and you're trying to scoop it out, and the whole family's just like, ah, like, I want the part, the pumpkin to come pre-scooped. Yes. Oh. Like a pre-scooped. We could, oh. Oh, this idea. That's a great idea. For 10 days a year, Amazing you and I are going to get a scooper. But who's going to, okay. Pre-scooped. So who's who's, who's going to do the who's scooping? Who's going to do the scooping? That's the only problem. Great idea. How are we going to execute? Business meeting uh, this afternoon. Well, we always get interns from like Red River College and uh We could the make other them schools. scoop. Yeah. Perfect. Because we often, we never have stuff for them to do because we're all too busy. So and I just... don't think we pay them either. No. So the business plan is really How coming is together. How is this helping them with their journalism degree? That's not the concern at this point in time. Okay. How do we get pre-scoop pumpkins out to the masses? <laughs> How do we capitalize on this? I love it. Mackling, McGarry, and McNabb. Over the summer, I had the pleasure of hanging out at Skinner's 
on River Road in Lockport. Uh, they were having a special event celebrating uh, an anniversary, and their food, their hot dogs are amazing. Mm-hmm. But you don't have to go out to Lockport. You can just go to the Forks. You for can, now. You can for now, yeah. We're working on a story this morning that Hal Anderson has been uh, talking with the owner of Skinner's for the past couple weeks now uh, because he, it sounds like Skinner's is basically not going to be renewing its lease at the Forks and not because it doesn't want to, but because like a few other restaurants over the past year, it's been told by the Forks that the Forks is going in a, quote, different direction. And so we're going to bring in Hal later in the show to talk about him about what he's heard from Skinner's and also um, an interview with the owner of Skinner's later this morning. But it's begging the question for some of us. I know the Forks has worked really hard and has done a tremendous job of changing the interior and the exterior. They've added those the drinks option, the commons area, the beer on tap, which is wonderful. But is it going too high end? Is there is there a line for you when it comes to going down there? Because removing the option for hot dogs and fries doesn't sound like a big deal, except for there. Sometimes you don't want to have the fancy steak or the you know um, different kind of cuisine that's being offered. You just want to grab a dog and sit outside and watch the boats go by. Well, I think it is a big deal if this is ex- if this is what is actually happening. I have kids. They eat very well. They like a variety of different foods, but sometimes you just want a hot dog and you don't have to be a kid. You can be an adult and have that feeling as well. I commend the Forks. They've done incredible Mm -hmm. jobs. You listed all the things, Loren. I'm not going to relist them, but I think that this might be a line too far for a lot of people. I don't know if it'll deter people from going, but it, it might stop you from going there quite as often and it might stop people with kids from going because the options are somewhat limited for for younger people, plain and simple, people who are fussy eaters, people who like that kind of food. So you have Newburger there. Simon's, yep. Is it Simon's or Simone's? Uh, ooh, I don't know. The steak place? You have the steak place. You got Taste of Sri Lanka. You got the Bindi's Caribbean Delights. You got the Old Spaghetti Factory. It's more of a sit-down restaurant if you want to. Like there's also ERA Bistro, Greek and Italian. Like there's lots of great choices. And I like that. I like eating at those places. But I was remarking that when I go there with my husband, the kids still want to grab a hot dog if we're grabbing a drink and something else. And for us, one of our sons has a nut allergy. And so for a lot of the things that are being offered at the different kiosks, it's just too stressful for us to try to navigate that. So the hot dog is like, yeah, like, boil that hot dog. He'll eat that. Like, we're not stressed about the, boil, you know, the, the boiled hot dog. And so for me, it's now pulled a, a, the option off the table. Yeah, we've been hearing in the news this morning with Jeff Braun. Conservative leader Andrew Scheer is disappointed, but looking ahead after Monday's election resulted in a liberal minority government. Here's Global's Jeff Smith. In an interview with Global's Ottawa Bureau Chief Mercedes Stevenson, Andrew Scheer admits things didn't go the way his party would have wanted. While the Tories won the popular vote, that only translated to 121 seats compared to the Liberals' 157. But it is difficult. It's, it's always difficult to fall short of, uh, of goals that we've set ourselves. And, um, but, uh, you know, there's no one more disappointed than me in the results of the, the, the campaign, but there's no one more eager to get it right and to fix the issues that didn't work this time. Scheer also says Western premiers have a right to be upset with the equalization formula, but he notes it was the Liberals who locked in the formula without consultation. The full interview will air this Sunday on the West Block. Jeff Smith, 
Global News. And Mercedes Stevenson will hopefully join us later on this morning to talk about her sit-down interview with Andrew Shear. The West Block, by the way, in case you don't know, airs at 11 a.m. on Sunday on Global Television. This is a, a big question I think that's going to linger out there is in terms of what happens next for him. Not for the party, but for Andrew Shear. Are you a one-time opportunity and then you you have to step aside if it didn't go the way you wanted or is he, does he stick around? Well, that was his suggestion at one point in the campaign, right? That it's sort of been tradition for the the leader of the of the major party that lost to step aside as leader. Uh, do you think? And this is a, a question for all of us around the table, and and for you listening at home or wherever you are, is there any chance that Andrew Shearer faces any sort of leadership review in this? in this climate, in this minority government, I, I think it would be a difficult thing for the Conservative Party to contemplate just because you never know when the government might fall and when you might have to get ready for an election. But does Sheer face any questions about his leadership and about his future as leader? I said the other day that I think he's a dud. I think he's kind of a snooze. So I don't know that uh, he's the that the Conservatives can win with him now but as you pointed out if the you know like Cluche Richard Cluche was predicting we'll be back at the polls in 18 months Mm -hmm. so what do you you pull the pin get rid of the leader and then you got to find a new one and then you have to give them time to build some traction and gain some trust with the people or likability that doesn't that takes longer than 18 months no question well it's taken a long time for Andrew Shear to get to this point since he became leader, for people to understand who he is and to get a genuine feeling about him. I mentioned uh, the day after the election uh, is Rona Ambrose kicking herself for not sticking around. A lot of people thought she would have been the ideal leader, but for personal reason, reasons, she decided to step away. The other name that keeps bandi- getting bandied about and that you keep hearing about is Peter McKay, mm-hmm. the former defense minister. But after that... I think it's pretty thin in terms of conservatives who have a recognizable face, name, and or voice across the country. And that's what it's going to take. I keep thinking about the conversation we had with Charles Adler Tuesday morning about the idea that the party needs to, some rebranding. Not just the, It's not just about the leader, that there's a bigger issue at play here. And one of the questions Mercedes Stevens asked him in her interview that will air on the West Block is one that was asked repeatedly on the campaign trail is about some of those core issues that many people stop many people from voting for Andrew Scheer. And that has to do the fact that he's personally against abortion, even though he won't reopen it, and that he has never attended at an LGBTQ pride parade. And so he was asked again in this interview that will run Sunday about his thoughts on that. And he said, I won't march in parades, but I will ensure that our party is an inclusive and open and that we fight for equality rights of all Canadians. And so I think that's still going to be a sticking point for that that part of the would-be conservative supporters who are like, wait a minute, what? Like, you don't, you, where, why are we still towing the line, so to speak, on this? Go march in a parade. Like, I don't... Otherwise, he just gets asked that over and over and over again, because it comes back to some of those core values that I think people have. And they say, well, how can you say you're going to be open and inclusive, but not support people in a parade like this? I I think that'll dog him till the day he dies. I don't think there's any question about that, but I'm of two minds on this, because do you prefer a leader who tells you where he stands and stands up or at least 
keeps consistent his message about his position on something? Or would you be, if all of a sudden he says, yeah, you know what, I'm going to start uh, attending these events, would you not be questioning the legitimacy and how honest he was doing that? Or is it just for political gain? I understand and I agree with 100% what you're saying on your point of view, but at the other side of it, the other side of the coin, I think it might be hypocritical for him to start doing so when he's clearly had zero intent of doing that for years and years. Do you want him to do that just for political means? That's fair. No. I I would like to think that you would just change overnight (laughs) with your opinions. (laughs) Well, we we, we know that's not going to happen. I want him to wake up tomorrow morning and maybe be a different person. Maybe that's what I'm suggesting. Let me bounce this one off, you guys, and maybe I'm out to lunch on this one. What about the name conservatives? And I'm not suggesting there's Mm -hmm. anything wrong with that, but Mm -hmm. if if they want to continue to stick with your, like have their supporters, but maybe gain some traction in the urban centers that Charles was talking about where they don't have any traction. Would changing the name be something that they would maybe consider? Because they don't, they're not changing who they are, but maybe just that name conservatives just strikes that message to those who wouldn't would just automatically not support them because they're conservatives. The reform party tried to do, and we've had the alliance and, you know, there was different left part or sorry right parties that tried to come through and change the idea so that it would it w- would look different for the right well you had the pcs right which were the prog- progressive conservatives when brian mulrooney was mm-hmm. Prime Minister. And then, of course, you had this break-off faction where you had the alliance and and the reform party with Preston Manning and all that. So the right had to unite in order to stay relevant because they were splitting the vote and splitting uh, political ideals. So they settled on this Conservative Party of Canada moniker. And I kind of agree with you, Brett. The, the Taking away that, that terminology progressive, I think for a lot of people, might scare them off. It might be good branding to bring back that idea of progressive conservatives so that you can maybe explore that progressive side a little bit more for those that are uncomfortable with the Liberal Party and the way they've gone. The chances of getting people to go from orange to blue, from NDP to conservative are are probably pretty slim. Mm -hmm. And there are a lot of people who live in the middle middle politically in Canada who right now, based on a lot of Justin Trudeau's decisions, politically and otherwise, feel like they don't have a home. And if you moved, uh, at least attempted to move slightly towards the center, you might welcome in uh, some new members. I think it's a great question. Yeah, and maybe maybe that's all it takes is just bring back progressive and throw that in, into the because i mean this everything in this world now is all about branding mm-hmm. right no you, right. people see the brand and they make their decisions right and they decide like that. that this is what that that stands for this stands for something else no yeah. matter what gets said over and over again talking pumpkins in a moment but McNabb, we got an update from our buddy art snyder right oh let's play this clip for, first just to remind everybody who art is uh, in gramdale I used to complain when the power was off for an hour or two, but I never dreamt how it would be for 13 days. What have you been doing to cope with it, Art? Well, I think it's going to be hooked up real shortly. 
And Art wasn't wrong. 88 years of wisdom there. We spoke to him yesterday at 845 about how they were eating click for a few days and <laughs> melting snow in pots and then bottled water going to his son's place for showers. His daughter just texted us this morning to say the power is back on in Gramdale. And even more wonderful for so many people in this province, I'm looking at the outage map now. Right now in Manitoba, just 20 customers without electricity at this moment. So two weeks after that storm hit, it looks like things are essentially back to normal for almost all of us. And sorry, I think I need to correct the name. Is it Art? I said Snyder. It's Sander. Sander. Okay, because I saw it labeled Snyder in in one of the clips, and uh, that's that's what stuck. That was my mistake yesterday. to my memory, so sorry about that, Mr. Sander. Art Sander. Glad to hear you got your power back, and now I get to take a shower. Yeah, and we uh, one more time need to give a shout out to the hydro crews yeah. who have given up so much to make sure that this turned around. Loren, were you saying that uh, some of them are, are making their way home today? In fact, that's my understanding that some of the most of the hydro workers who are up in Lunda are now on their way home. They've been there, I think, since two weeks ago Saturday, so that's a long haul for them. And I think the Portage guys came home earlier this week. So. On a positive note, click sales have never been higher in Manitoba. <laughs> <laughs> Get your shares and click today. Have you ever opened up your pantry and realized all the things you can't eat because you can't heat it, heat it up? Like, yeah. oh boy. They're easy to find. The dust is on the top of the can. <laughs> <laughs> pumpkins. Could you eat pumpkins if you had one? I guess you could. I, I guess you could eat a pumpkin. Mackling and I are going to be carving pumpkins today at Kildonan Place at 11 o'clock. They have their annual media challenge. So we're going to be representing Habitat for Humanity Manitoba. Global Winnipeg will be representing Silo Mission. But Greg and I, uh, we were awful at the Smile Cookies thing. I mean, it was super fun and it was funny. So I think ultimately that was the desired result. You you taking one for the team there, Brett. Uh, we were not terrible. I was terrible. No, we, we my were blindfolded. Artistic. Yeah, fair enough. But it was uh, it was poor effort on my my part. And I and I you, was you, a did, bad, you did very well. I was a, no, I was a bad caller. You know, Jeff and Survivor, where they have people who do the yep. like they they have to guide their blindfolded team through a field and they steer them right into trees and other things yeah. that hurt. So yeah. I I was would be a bad caller. I could have been better. But anyway, <laughs> they have a big tarp at Kildonan Place for you guys, don't they? Because they're going to need that. Can you imagine? Imagine if they made us do that blindfolded. <laughs> I'm <laughs> imagining that it's out in the parking lot. <laughs> yeah. uh, so we're figuring that we're going to be bad at carving pumpkins because we, uh, I have never been good at this stuff. So we thought we'd just quickly chat about carving pumpkins. Bron, your girlfriend has multiple children. Have you engaged in the pumpkin carving? No, they do it. I'm terrible at it and I hate it. I don't. <laughs> Shocker. <laughs> I think I tried it maybe twice when I was a kid. Couldn't do it. Didn't like it. Never been artistic in the slightest. I uh, don't like touching the greasy, grimy guts inside a pumpkin. I don't care for the taste of pumpkin. I have, get down to it. I don't even like the look of a pumpkin. So <laughs> I'm pretty much be Halloween. October is hell for me. <laughs> How about you, Kelly? Oh, yeah. Over the years, we've uh, carved our fair share of pumpkins. Some have turned out okay. Some have needed uh, major, major dental surgery. Uh, but, you know, the fun part for us is we, we've tried this a couple times. We've roasted the pumpkin seeds, and they're actually they're quite tasty, Jeff. You might enjoy I don't know. Do you like Are they really worth the effort, though? Well, it, I've done it. It, it, seems, it, like it, much it seems like a lot of work. No, I do it every year, and every year I'm just like... This is not a sunflower seed. <laughs> <laughs> put, a little, put a little seasoning on uh, it, though. I've tried all things. I'm going to bring you some. Yeah, no, thank you. Monday. No, 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 that's okay. That's okay. 
Leave them, leave them with your family. If they were really good and the seasoning was all that good, they would have pumpkin seed lollipops. They don't have those. Yeah. So they're not very good. You can buy them in bags like sunflower seeds. Yeah, they can. But see, what's the secret? They have seasoning. And you didn't have to do it yourself. (laughs) Much like the the fun of it is. Kelly's from an era where they used every piece of the pumpkin. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) The bison and the pumpkin. It was his hockey helmet. Me and Art Sander, I'll tell you, he's only got a few years on me at 88. But um, you know what we do with the pumpkins afterwards? You, you were mentioning, what do you do? We throw them out the backyard now. And between the rabbits and the squirrels, it's, it's amazing. There'll be these three or four great big pumpkins that'll start in the fall. Yes. By spring, you can't find anything. Oh, that's really? interesting. Yeah. My, my, my uh, jack lantern, I carved one last Saturday. It went into the dumpster right after I carved it. <laughs> <Why>? <laughs> well, it's because, you know what? I didn't inspect the pumpkin when I bought it oh, and I didn't no. realize it was already rotting. Oh. <laughs> oh. So you, you finished carving it. Yeah, it will in I can't carve worth a crap. Well, thank <laughs> you for trying. <laughs> Why don't you guys take fortune with you today? Yeah. Hey, Jeff, what floor do you live on? I live on the 8th. Oh. You're on the 16th? It's flat. Yeah. Can we come to your house? <laughs> yes. On November 1st? Yeah. Collect all drop. the pumpkins off the steps in my neighborhood, and we'll we'll come. We'll have a little bit of David Letterman fun from oh, your balcony. I love that idea. That would sure. be a great visual, yeah. I don't know that management at Evergreen Place would care for that, but... Uh, <laughs> we'll find out. Yeah. I remember try- carving a pumpkin once, and you know how you have to cut the, the top open. So we did that, but then when we went to put the top back, it just fell into the pumpkin because we didn't cut it mm-hmm. on an angle. Oh, we just cut yeah, straight yeah. down into it. <laughs> There's like a whole trick thing. It just It's a lot to manage, and the kids are excited, and then they get bored six minutes later, and yeah. then you're and just then... left by yourself sweating on the floor carving this thing. My plan this year is like wherever they leave it is where the carving ends. If it's a quarter of an eye, half a nose, <laughs> I'm done. Yeah. You're done, I'm done. Just draw yeah. a face on it. You can buy uh, tracers. That's what my buddy did, and it actually came out really nice. Yeah, and he can't carve with the crap either. I think we need to get uh, get a stencil for our, our carving because we have an idea for something cool for the pumpkin, but uh, we just need to execute it. Gonna share it, or is that a state secret evidence? Oh, you need to come to Kildonan Place and, and go to their. You'll have to go to their Facebook page to cast a vote. What's even better is, is the fact that we have a plan. Like, this is unprecedented. I know. I was quite proud. We, we have props and everything. I'm so, so. proud of you, Brett. Uh, maybe we'll, maybe you'll be able to weasel it out of me before the end of the show. We start this hour with break and enters in St. James, car thefts and smashed windows in St. Boniface and River Heights. I think it's fair to say no matter what neighborhood you call home in this city, the odds are you've either been hit by some sort of crime or maybe you know someone who has. It's why our colleagues over at Global News Morning are launching a week-long series that will also be aired here on 680 CJOB. And they're essentially going from neighborhood to neighborhood to find out what you are seeing and also what you're doing maybe to fight back. Global News Morning anchor Gabrielle Marchand sat down with Inspector Max Waddell of the Organized Crime Division of our police service to find out what he's seen. There's definitely been a number of changes over the past uh, five to six years specifically. Uh, We saw the emergence of fentanyl come in around 2016, which is obviously very concerning. Uh, A lot of people lost their lives and then that transitioned into what we're seeing today is, is a crisis around the methamphetamine use. 
Uh, with methamphetamine, we see uh, changes in the number of property crimes, violent crimes. In uh, five-year average, we've seen a 58% increase in robberies over the last five years. Uh, property crime, we've seen a 44% increase over the last five years. And firearms, uh, over the last five years, we've seen a 60% increase. So again, those numbers, 44% increase in property crime, 58% rise in robberies over the past five years. And of course, guns have been a big issue. We know that. We've been talking about it a lot. Firearm use up 60%. Definitely the crime is not discriminatory to any one area. Uh, It doesn't matter what quadrant of the city you live in. Uh, There are those types of crimes being reported. Uh, You know, drug crime, and specifically around methamphetamine, Uh, It's not focused on any one area. It is by no means just uh, uh, an incident that occurs under the cover of darkness. It's all hours of the day because depending on when you were to have consumed that illicit drug is is going to be the pattern of how you are going to act for that, that time frame. You know, typically we'll say someone who takes a hit of methamphetamine is, is in that kind of safer high zone for the first 12 hours. That's how long you typically stay high in methamphetamine. It's after that period of time that they start to come down. Uh, that intense pleasure has uh, been taken off and they start looking for their next hit that they become aggressive and somewhat more unpredictable. So I know we've been talking about a meth for a long time and, and Inspector Max Waddell told Gabrielle that the supply issue is not going to go away until we deal with other issues like mental health or people with addictions. You know, there's all sorts of things that are in play. But one thing that stood out for me, guys, and I don't know if you've stopped thought about it, he talked about education and about educating about the dangers of this drug because of the concerns young people might get involved. And in my head, I'm like, are, is the average young teenager actually thinking about the option of meth? Do you think? No, they're not thinking about it. But do you, is that and a concern, actually? Like, 100%. I would, I would be concerned about drinking and driving for teenagers. I'd be concerned about um, maybe some other drug uses. But I still struggle with that whole meth being something that just some high school kid might try just to see. Well, and that's the whole point. How did you start smoking if you smoked? How did you start drinking if you drink? It's because somebody offered you an opportunity to do it and most likely before you were of age to do either thing. And that's what I talk to my kids about. You guys are going to be offered all sorts of stuff along the way, opportunities to do things that you might otherwise wouldn't do. You're going to be opportunity. You're going to be given opportunities to try things that you might otherwise not because you're in a setting with other kids, people you think are your friends, and you're going to have to have the willpower to say no. And the difference between meth And a beer is the fact that if you talk to any of the experts is how addictive it is. And that's the difference. And that's the line that you have to warn your kids about. This is what he's saying. Here's Inspector Max Waddell again. Educate people how dangerous this drug is, especially our youth that are in those early adolescent years that are going to be experimenting with things that potentially you could uh, not always, but on, on certain occasions and depending on the purity of methamphetamine, you could become addicted. Uh, the levels of dopamine that are released uh, in a methamphetamine uh, binge are astronomical. And if you were to compare them uh, numerically from uh, something that we all like to do is eat good food, that may rate at about 100 units of dopamine that's released. Well, when you take methamphetamine, it's in around the 1,200 units of dopamine. So you can see how significant it is altering the body, it is altering the mind. And when you synthetically introduce dopamine to your brain, your body stops naturally producing it. So it's naturally going to want to consume more. And it's just that cycle of uh, addictiveness that uh, takes place at that point in time. So that's the cycle of addictiveness. That's the cycle for meth, which is 
clearly contributing to crime. There was part of me that wondered uh, in the past few months, is this really all meth? Well, it's not all meth, but meth no. still is a huge part of the problem. So Global News Morning and CJOB will be airing some of the feedback from neighborhoods over the next six weeks. They're starting in St. James on Monday. And we all know, we've talked about this, citizens are trying to take back their neighborhoods now. So if you have an issue in your neighborhood, we'd love to hear from you. If you're doing something unique, like your citizens on patrol, maybe you have more lighting, you're trying to get in back lanes, you're trying to talk to people about how to protect their cars, keep them locked or unlocked to, to prevent things. What are you doing to fight back? You know, and Inspector Waddell, he's talking about the supply isn't going anywhere. This isn't going to be a supply issue. They tried that in the war on drugs with cocaine and the United States going into different countries that were producing cocaine. That didn't work. The only thing that's going to work here is that the demand for this drug is going to have to disappear. And that's where the education piece, the conversation around mental health, addictions, and getting people off this stuff properly, constructively, effectively, that's going to be the difference. That's the only thing that's going to stop this. Bombers tonight. Okay, so we're going to do a little bit of a history lesson on Blue Bomber quarterbacks here. We're not going back to the Dieter Brock days. We're going to go back to 2014. And the Winnipeg Blue Bombers were searching for a starting quarterback to solidify a position which had featured, shall we say, a steadily revolving door of quarterbacks following the Blue Bombers' appearance in the 2011 Grey Cup with now quarterbacks coach Buck Pierce at the helm. I'm going to give you some names, okay? Alex Brink. Joey Elliott, no, not Joe Elliott, the lead singer of Def Leppard, although I suspect he might have been an option at some point along the way. Max Hall, Justin Goltz, and Brian Brom all made their way through Winnipeg and played quarterback for the Blue Bombers. Now, the Bombers set their sights on Henry Burris, who would ultimately lead the Red Blacks to a Grey Cup in 2016, and... Zach Caleros, who chose the Hamilton Tiger Cats over the Blue Bombers. The Blue and Gold settled on Drew Willey, and almost six seasons of football later, Zach Caleros will start at quarterback for the Winnipeg Blue Bombers. The voice of the Blue Bombers, Bob Irving, joins us now. Good morning, Bob. Good morning, everybody. Are you looking forward to finally seeing Zach Caleros direct a Blue Bombers offense? Well, yeah, I I think I would rather it have been... uh, Four or five years ago, when they first tried to get him, Greg, that would have worked out better. But yeah, he's uh, he's going to start tonight against Calgary, and you know, just a few years ago, he was one of the better quarterbacks in the league, if not among the very best. And uh, he's been derailed by injuries and all sorts of things. But uh, now he's a blue bomber. He's been here a couple of weeks, and they're going to throw him into the fire tonight and see what he can do. You, you forgot one quarterback in that rundown Robert Marv remember the young guy with the, with the big arm <laughs> yes right? Robert Marv I do now wasn't he yeah. here at the same time as Willie which is why I sort of kept him off the list but yeah. I, I could have been wrong no I was yeah, somewhere around that time and then Dan Lefevre was another one who oh, passed yes. through here and uh, Kevin Glenn was here for a little while in 2016 mm. uh, so there's been quite a list of them since Buck Pierce led them to that great cup in 2011 now, I know these guys practice and they stay fit, but when's the last time uh, Claros was in a game? Well, the first game of this season for Saskatchewan, Loren, and he played, I think it was his third play where he got uh, the cheap shot from Simone Lawrence and has been sidelined ever since, although he's been cleared to play for a number of weeks now. He just never got a chance in Toronto. 
And, uh, you know, the Bombers acquired him, and he's been practicing here now. He's had five practices with the Bombers, so it's not like he's overly familiar with their playbook, but he's a smart guy, and they feel he's picked it up enough to play. But it's been a long time since he played. Uh, and, again, he was supposed to play in last year's West semifinal against the Bombers, but the, he was a late scratch because of an injury. And so he's had uh, he's had some tough luck and very frustrating uh, frustrating days trying to get on the field again. How long is it going to take for Strebler to heal up? Well, he'll be ready by the uh, by the playoff game. The Bombers play their final game tonight, then they have a bye, and they don't uh, play again until the 10th of November, which is the semifinal game. So he'll uh, he'll be ready to go by then. Now, you know, the fact that Kolaris is starting tonight raises a, an interesting scenario. What if he goes out and plays great and leads them to victory? Uh, then do you you go back to him in the semifinal game, or do you you know do you play Strebler? So we'll see. Tonight's performance will have something to do with that. I would say right now, Mike O'Shea would be leaning toward playing Strebler in the playoff game, but uh, I think Kolaris could maybe change that thinking if he's really good tonight. So the playoff game, the location has not been determined officially, but the chances right. of that West semifinal being in Winnipeg, uh, there's two chances, slim and none. <laughs> uh, the, the slim, slim is still in the running though, right, Bob? Yeah, I think those are the two chances that they have. They'd have to win tonight and then hope that Calgary loses in uh, BC in their final game. And that would seem quite unlikely. I think if Mike Riley was playing for the Lions, you'd give them a chance to win that game. But without him, I don't think that's a very good possibility. But, you know, if you're the Bombers, you can't look at it that way. You've got to think, hey, let's win tonight and then see what happens in that game in BC. Because if there was an upset, then Winnipeg would get a home playoff game. So the chances aren't great, but they're still there. And as long as they're there, it's like, Anything in sport, you, you know, you've got to cling to them, right? The first, I think, is it 15,000 fans qualify for the Andrew Harris bobblehead tonight if they make it to the stadium, and he's chasing his third rushing title. Yes, he is, and I got a chance to see one of those bobbleheads yesterday. I, I'm a bobblehead fan, by the way. I think they're great. <laughs> is that a and, thing? And, well, I don't know. I don't know what that is exactly. <laughs> but they look terrific, and the fans who get them tonight are really going to I think cherish them. They're they're fantastic, and as you said, Loren, the first fifteen thousand uh, to get one, and then Andrew's. Uh, if Andrew has even a, a average night tonight, I think uh, he's going to win that third straight rushing title, which has not been done very often in the history of the CFL. Pre-game starts when Bob starts at five thirty, and I'll have an interview with Zach Kolaris that I think people will find very interesting because I asked him directly about all the injuries he's had and whether or not he. You know, he should listen to folks who say, don't ever play again. And he very politely, as you heard on one of Kelly Moore's sportscasts today, says, uh, look, folks, uh, don't don't be doctors. I've consulted the best doctors in the world, and they have told me I'm good to go. So I think you'll find his comments on that interesting tonight. Bob Irving joining us live on CJOB. Thank you very much, sir. Okay, folks. Mackling, McGarry, and McNabb. We've been talking a lot about the Bombers because they're playing tonight. Calgary Stampeders at IG Field. Sorry, Greg just did something funny with his hands. And when, when you do that, you just derail. You completely throw me off. What are you? What's with the jazz hands? What are you trying to say? I was trying to get Loren's attention because I'd like her to read the introduction. Sure. Okay, go, then go. let her rip.
Go ahead. <laughs> Winnipeg Blue Bombers quarterback Matt Nichols and his wife Allie have donated $10,000 to the Children's Hospital Foundation to help fund the purchase of new Cinema Vision goggles. With that donation, the hospital has now raised $60,781, or basically the $75,000 needed to purchase the new goggles. They come complete with headphones that shut out the MRR machine noise, which allows the kid to watch the DVD of their choice while in the machine. And as we were saying yesterday, without those goggles, it's kind of a scary situation for kids. They can get uh, upset due to claustrophobia. Some have to be sedated due to anxiety. But because of the goggles, they no longer have to experience that. And Matt Nichols is joining us now this morning. And Matt, first of all, good morning. Thanks for doing this. Hey, good morning. Thanks for having me. Well, this is uh, quite the story. Uh, you and uh, your wife, Allie, have become such a big part of this community. And what a way to put your put your stamp on this. How did you become aware of of this need? And was, is there more of a personal story to this, to this, Matt? Yeah, a little bit. I mean, uh, yeah, I've been doing hospital visits to the Children's Hospital. Uh, I know it started in Edmonton. Um, and, and, you know, there's always had a powerful impact on me, especially after I had kids of my own. And so uh, it's something that my wife and I have always been drawn towards and um, got a lot of sympathy for, you know, families and kids that have to have to go through a lot of things they go through. And then honestly, uh, you know, we were, we were just kind of looking at the website and uh, initially there was another campaign for an imaging machine to help kids not have to have as many colonoscopies. And there was a, an article or a story about a kid that had Crohn's disease, which is well, my father-in-law uh, died from, and so that was something that was kind of powerful for us. And then found out that that project had kind of been fully funded, and then the cinema goggles were kind of their next project. And uh, really, it's just I'm trying to help any way possible. And, and like I said, I mean, it's just uh, one of the things where every time I you know go and do a visit to those hospitals to see how tough those kids are, it's uh, um, yeah, you know, we're happy to to help out in any way that we can. So the news release says that with your donation, they're within about $14,000 of their $75,000 goal. And I just got an email from Tanya Williams over at Children's Hospital Foundation. And she tells me that essentially the phone's been ringing off the hook since your story oh, came awesome. out. And well, this is a little bit of a spoiler alert for our listeners, but they might have an announcement as early as Monday. Mm that they've achieved their goal. So Matt wow. Nichols, this is uh, that you're doing uh, powerful stuff in the community and uh, bravo to you and Ali. This is great. Oh, it's awesome to hear. It's, uh, you know, like I said, a really cool thing. Uh, uh, you know, it was an amazing ex- experience for me the other day. Uh, you know, we had Aiden, one of the kids that's going to, uh, that's a direct um, recipient and, and uh, frequent user of the goggles. And, you know, just hearing him talk about how, you know, he does MRIs a few times a month, and he's in there for over two and a half hours per MRI. And so, you know, it's not your average. You know, for me, get an MRI for football injuries, you know, twenty minutes, and it feels like two hours. You know, to be in there for two and a half hours, and, uh, you know, hear about kids having, you know, to be sedated and all those things to to get those imaging done. Uh, you know, these sounds sounds like uh, not a, you know, maybe it wouldn't sound like a super important thing to be able to watch a movie while you're getting an MRI, but for kids. Uh, that have to do that that often and for that length of time. I mean, it really makes a difference. It was great to hear from a kid that, uh, you know, really, uh, you know, loves having uh, those available for him for, for the amount of time he spends in there. Man, you say being in an MRI for 20 minutes is like two hours. What's it like being inside an MRI? 
super loud. Uh, you know, all you, all you can do is kind of have your own thoughts and, uh, you know, very uncomfortable. And especially if you, you know, if you have to go in head first, you're basically in a, a tunnel that's, you know, tightly closing over you. It's, it's super loud kind of pounding noises that, you know, will run for five minutes and kind of shut off for three minutes. So you feel like maybe it's over and then it starts up again. And, uh, you know, it's just one of those, it's just not a very comfortable thing or enjoyable experience. And that's, uh, you know, I can imagine being a, a little kid having to, having to do that. But like I said, for, you know, a couple hours at a time would be uh, very difficult to do. Well, as you said, it might not seem like a big thing, but it is a very big thing for these kids to help them through that process. And it's a great thing you're doing. And you're also continuing your work uh, on the sidelines with the Winnipeg Blue Bombers as we head into tonight's game with uh, Zach Caleros at QB. What's your advice to him as he moves in? It's a unique position for him to be in. Yeah, I mean, super excited for him. Uh, he's a great guy. He's come in and fit in great with our, our QB group. And, um, uh, you know, I think that you know he's been through his fair share of, of ups and downs in his career, and uh, you know he has an opportunity to come and help this team win football games. And so, you know, I don't think I have to give him much advice. He's been been there, done that. And uh, you know, really for me, it's just helping him. Uh, you know, with the way that I read certain plays, or um, you know, just little reminders on things in our offense, just to make sure that he's uh, you know fully ready to go on every play out there. And, you know, he's done a good job of getting a handle on everything. And I think he's going to go out there and do a good job for us. Matt, we appreciate everything you do on and off the field. It's great to get some time with you. Uh, and enjoy the game best you can tonight. I'm sure it's far more nerve-wracking to watch than it is to play. Yeah, it's definitely tougher when you can't actually go out there and control anything. But uh, yeah, I'll, be, I'll be cheering on uh, the guys as much as anyone and, and be helping on the sidelines and, um, I look forward to, to a good turnout tonight and, um, you know, Bombers win. Winnipeg Blue Bomber quarterback Matt Nichols joining us live on 680 CJOB. In case you're just tuning in, he and his wife Allie made a $10,000 donation to the Children's Hospital Foundation of Manitoba to help make MRI scans easier for kids, and they are almost at their goal. <laughs> You're heading to Regina this weekend, right, Greg? I am. Tomorrow morning, bright and early. Of course, tonight, the Winnipeg Blue Bombers will play the Calgary Stampeders in CFL action at IG Field in Winnipeg. Tomorrow night, it's the Winnipeg Jets and the Calgary Flames in the Heritage Classic at Mosaic Stadium in Regina. Mosaic Stadium is, of course, the site of the Labor Day Classic every September. Flames versus Jets is one of the classic matchups and rivalries for Winnipeg Jets 1.0. So it's just a perfect, it's just all very, very intertwined. Joining us to discuss the impact of this weekend's events in Saskatchewan's capital city is Mayor of Regina, Michael Fougere. Good morning, Mayor Fougere. Good morning. Thanks for taking some time with us. I know it's a pretty busy time for you, so I can't wait to to get to Regina. But uh, what's going on there? Uh, This is a celebration of hockey. Uh, A lot of people consider Saskatchewan, sorry, Manitoba, but the the capital of hockey in Canada. Well, we have a lot of uh, festivities happening. It's hockey week here, and of course, uh, uh, we have a pancake breakfast this morning, lots of activities happening. But uh, the big game uh, tomorrow is going to be Fantastic! It's the first time there's been a uh, an NHL outdoor game in a non NHL city, so we're very proud of that, and we're very uh, happy they selected the Mosaic Stadium for this one. And two great teams, Winnipeg and Calgary, are going to play, and it, it's a game for keeps. It's a, it's not a uh, exhibition game; it's a real game that matters in the standings. So we're really excited about this. this is fantastic. 
What is it going to be weird though? I mean, you, you're obviously our rivals in the CFL. So will it be weird seeing a whole bunch of Winnipeg Jets jerseys roaming through Regina? Well, they're allowed to roam through there. There's no problem. It's all good for them. They could do that. Uh, we <laughs> want to see uh, a good rivalry, a good game. Uh, it's one thing for uh, NHL, different for CFL, of course, to, to be serious for a moment. Uh, there's lots of Winnipeg Jets fans in, in Saskatchewan and in Regina, and same with Calgary, too. So we expect that we're going to have a uh, crowd about 50-50. Well, I can't wait. It's going to be spectacular. And uh, just just a, a couple things uh, housekeeping-wise. Thank you so much for sending those crews that you did our way to help in the cleanup of the storm from a couple of weeks ago. Uh, my understanding is that we've processed over 170,000 tons of tree branches, uh, tree limbs, etc., at our Brady Road landfill. So just a monster job. So thank you for sending your crews. And I do want to send apologies your way for continually taking shots at Regina and Saskatchewan on the air. Uh, it's, and I've said it out loud, Mary Fougere, it's more out of jealousy because Saskatchewan is doing some pretty spectacular things these days. And, and one of them is Mosaic St- Stadium. I just cannot wait to see it. It's a beautiful stadium. Uh, we're very proud of it. But uh, with respect to helping out Winnipeg, we do this. Uh, no questions asked. When something happens like this, and uh, uh, we know the impact. And I talked to Mayor Bowman. The 10 to 15 percent of your tree canopy was destroyed or, or injured, and it's just it's there's a lot of need for help, and we are more than happy to help out. And uh, it's what we do for neighbors. But then the, begs the question now, and I want to thank you too. But it's what we do for neighbors in the hard times, in a fun like time like tomorrow. Who are you cheering for? I knew this was always going to come up. So I have, I have and, I, and I do sincerely in. thank you for sending your crews to help with the trees. But let's get cut to the chase. Who are you cheering for chase. tomorrow? <laughs> well, I'm cheering for a good game. My family in both Calgary and in Winnipeg, and I used to live in Winnipeg before I moved to Regina, and I used to work for the city of Winnipeg. So I have deep roots in Winnipeg, and and uh, I like the Jets a lot. Well, How's that for an answer? Very political. Yeah, you're you're a politician, all right. <laughs> I, I would say you're a shoe in for re-election. I don't know when your next election is, but uh, keep answering questions like that. And I don't think anybody can uh, can uh, blame you. Hey, what is the value of that the stadium and the the whole? Like, because for those that haven't been to Regina in a little while, Taylor Field had had oh, for <laughs> long ago uh, outlived its uh, natural life, but uh, through right. a lot of money and effort, and and I think just a love affair with that physical location it, it remained relevant and one of the great places to to watch a game but now that the new stadium is just a little bit further west it's on the it's on the exhibition park it's it's a real hub of activity uh, outside of, of football isn't it mayor it is that's sort of our, our center for sports and entertainment in many ways and we're continuing to invest in that it's owned by the city of Regina, the entire facility itself uh the new stadium is about 278 million dollars uh, all told and uh uh, came in on time and on budget, and uh, it's, it's um, we think, uh, uh, humbly speaking, it's it's one of the best stadiums in Canada, and, and for for a football stadium, one of the best in North America for the size of market. So we're really really proud of that, and and uh, it's been able to have um, Garth Brooks come in, obviously the NHL come in, the Grey Cup next year will be here. So we're really proud. Of this has been able to attract these kind of major activities and concerts and and shows that that really help to put us on the map. Well, you had Garth Brooks not once, but wasn't it on back-to-back nights? Twice is right, and uh, we had a, a rain out the first time. It rained very hard, and uh, uh, he was about three hours late uh, getting on stage. We, we had about 95% of the people stay there, 
and just find shelter than, than when the concert started. It was fantastic. The next night I was there, a packed house. So we had, uh, we had a huge crowd both nights. Fantastic stuff. Well, Mayor Fougere, is there, is there anything I can't miss? I'm only going to be in Regina for probably 24 hours, and, and six or seven of it will be spent uh, in and around Mosaic Stadium. Is there a place where I can get uh, some good poutine or, or uh, something like that uh, to, to fill the belly? You'll get it at Mosaic Stadium. we got a, a lot of uh, really good food there. Uh, we have, uh, it's called Confederation Park, right next to the stadium. Before the game, there's lots of activities happening there for, uh, throughout the afternoon and into the evening. So if the place you want to be, you want to choose one place for this activity, is Mosaic Stadium. All right, we'll just come down and party. Now, uh, I'm looking at the weather forecast. It looks like it's going to be double digits, like mid-teens today and then not quite as nice tomorrow. Some Saskatchewan wind, I understand. Yeah, unfortunately, it's going to shift a bit. It's going to be a bit cooler. Uh, it'll be windy, about 70 an hour winds. It may change at nighttime, not sure, but the weather will be overcast, which... Probably it's better to watch the game in overcast versus sunlight. Uh, just easier to see it. But uh, it's the wind that's going to be the issue, I think. But that's that's Saskatchewan for you. <laughs> All right. Mayor Michael Fougere from Regina joining us live on 680 CJOB. Thank you very much, Mr. Mayor. We appreciate the time. Thank you very much. Have a great day. And, Greg, you have a great time this weekend, man. I genuinely am really looking forward to Could it. Could you please suss that situation out, though? Because I feel like he's not wearing the Jets jersey tomorrow. Yeah, that, I should have screamed, that, answer the question! Is that the interpretation? <laughs> so maybe I'll pack an extra one, yeah. an extra Jets jersey, just in case I bump into the mayor yeah, and he's not walk, wearing the right one. Walk through the crowd, just take a look, just Sounds see like what the good, situation is. Good and, call, uh, good call. In the meantime, we're rejoined by Hal Anderson. We spoke to him at 8.37, and he said he was on his way out to talk to Al from Skinner's, and he has spoken to him. Hal, how'd it go? Well, uh, Al Thompson, owner of Skinner's, uh, the two locations in Lockport, but we're talking about the location at the Forks. I thought they were going to go till the end of the month. Al just told me that Sunday will be their last day, oh. so that will be your last. Got to get a Skinner's hot dog at the Forks this weekend, or that's it. Uh, for more than three decades now, Skinner's has been selling its iconic hot dogs at the Forks, since the very beginning of the Forks, in fact. But on Sunday, as I said, the last dog will be consumed were the red and Assiniboine and Rivers meet. This is Skinner's owner, Al Thompson. It's an automatic. We just kind of renew our lease and yeah, and we, you know, whatever has to be changed, changed and we carry on. And that's been going on over 30 years. And all of a sudden this year, they decided that we had to apply for our place, which is kind of unusual uh, and, and present a business plan, the whole thing, when they've seen us for 30 years, I don't know why they needed that, but we did, and uh, yeah, and apparently someone beat us out. So it was almost like a, an application process, and somebody, I guess, had a better application. I guess so. I guess so. That's really surprising to me. So that's new to me. I did not know that until I just talked Mm. to Al that there was almost like an application process. Obviously, somebody came up with a better idea or whatever. All the Forks is telling us is that, yes, we can confirm that the lease is ending with Skinner's at the Forks. I just want to mention a couple other things here. Uh, Al said... I expected a rent increase, not a problem. We're doing good business. It's good for everybody. Good for Skinner's, good for the Forks. Mm -hmm. 
wasn't given the opportunity to pay more rent because the lease was not renewed. As I mentioned, still open in Lockport, so he wants everybody to know mm-hmm. they're still out there, two spots. And I asked about a future Winnipeg location for Skinner's. He says... You never know. So maybe we will get a Skinner's again in Winnipeg somewhere, but it won't be at the Forks. I reached out to the Forks again for comment. They have confirmed that that lease ended. They say they don't discuss the whys or hows Mm. of those kinds of things. I have also asked what's coming next for that space. Then can we talk about the future of that space and perhaps there's some changes coming there. And uh, the comment was that there's nothing to share about any new tenants at this moment. Well, I can't share the word that I wanted to say out loud on the air when Al was relaying that story about the fact that it sounds like like he had to apply for his own job, right, and got beat and out I, by somebody else, and and, and, and I get and it I to get a it. certain extent it, it's as well. Business, right, great, but, but where's the loyalty? Yeah, right here. Here is a tenant that has been there for over thirty years. Was there in the beginning when you couldn't get people to go there? That's right. They were there. He they were doing the a big vision. business. He, I said, did they come to you and say, hey, we're going a little more upscale. Maybe, you know, have your traditional Skinner's dog, but maybe we do some gourmet dogs. Wasn't given the opportunity. What about an opportunity to move to a different, was there another option for him to move to? Because I will, I will say that he is right on the corner. And don't get me wrong, like I said, my kids are fans, and so we go there. Mm-hmm. But it is in that prime location. He's right on the corners. You're walking down the main corridor, turning yeah. into the commons. And so if you're going for this kind of like we've made big changes here at the yeah. Forks, and you still have that older look in the sense of an older Sure. Client there, is that part of it? Is it a conversation about could they have gone to another part of the Forks or was that even part of it? Good question. I will phone Alan and get the answer to that question. There, I did not ask there him There might that be question. no space. Yeah, yeah, there may not be any space and maybe he wasn't given that opportunity, but I will ask. And maybe he wouldn't want to. Yeah. I mean, that is, a prime, that is prime real right. estate at the Forks that he's yeah. operating in. And no like, question. And, and every time I've been there, that has been a lineup to get a, it takes 15 minutes to get yeah. a hot dog. And let's be honest, the evolution of that site has been dramatic yeah. over the last 31, 32 years since it opened. There are more changes in the offing. Uh, we saw the parking situation change. Yeah. It went from mostly free parking. Now there's charge parking. And, you know, here we are. Yeah. And we're talking about the forks. People were saying two years ago when they brought in the paid parking, oh, I'm not, that's it. I'm not going anymore. Well, that's not stopping mm-hmm. a yeah. lot of people from going. And so this is the mm-hmm. next step in the evolution. And I'm not someone that says, oh, I like things the way yeah. they were for the sake of saying it. I think sometimes, though, you have to pay homage to your history. Yeah. And and I, this one is is rubbing me the wrong way. It's rubbing me the wrong way, too, Greg. I hear you. And, and I talked to... And you'll hear more on Courier's show from the uh, conversation with Al and on my show, the whole interview. But I I asked him about, hey, things are changing there. And he goes, listen, you change things when they're not working. (laughs) They're working. They're working for him and they're working for the forks with Skinner's there. And so, again, where was he in terms of he's one of their top businesses he in terms said, of bringing in the I customers, mean, I, according to Al. Yeah, he says he feels like he was, if not the busiest food vendor there, one of the busiest. So, you know, we've been there. We've seen the lineups sure. at Skinner's, right? They yeah. get all the, he even, I don't think he mentioned that in this clip, but he even talked about when the school groups come, when the buses pull up. I mean, he's got all the business. Where are they going to go now? Well, and I know my kids have done that school trip yeah. and they get their 15 bucks or whatever to spend and... Where'd you guys go? Two out of three of them. They yeah. went to Skinner's. And it's iconic. Right. It's, it's not this McDonald's. Is this is Winnipeg. And somebody said, oh, it's Lockport. It's been in Winnipeg at the Forks for over 30 years. <laughs> it's it Winnipeg, Winnipeg now. If you want, we'll change it. We'll say Manitoba. <laughs> but it's go. Manitoba.
All right, Hal Anderson, we'll have more with Jeff Courier and more, the full story on his show between 1 and 4 o'clock. Oh, Fergie's Fish and Chips, by the way, one of our listeners says uh, they've been open in St. Vitale for a while, okay. maybe two years. It's okay. Pola Park where they're opening oh. and uh, maybe open now. So if you want to go for Fish and Chips before we go to Codonan Place for the pumpkin carving, <laughs> we can run over there. We won't have time for that. <laughs> Eat the pumpkin stuff. That's the whole point. Make time. Hey, thanks for listening to The Start Podcast. We are available on Apple Podcast, Google Podcast, wherever you find your favorite podcasts. Subscribe now and never miss an episode. And if you like what you hear, rate the show, tell us what you think, and hey, even tell a friend about the podcast. Be sure to follow us on Twitter and Instagram. Greg is at GMACWPG, that's G-M-A-C-K-W-P-G. I am at Brett McGarry, B-R-E-T-T-M-E-G-A-R-R-Y. And Loren on Twitter is at McNab on Global and on Instagram at McNab on CJOB. Talk soon.